0: Welcome back to the Conservative Conscience. This is Daniel Horowitz, your trusty little host here. And I emphasize the word little. We are quite diminutive here. Under five foot eight. Um, but anyway, boy, what a week it has been. We're at the end of our first week of 2017. And I must say this has been a benchmark week for my career. It's been a very emotionally draining. I've literally worked day and night. I've had trouble sleeping. Very, very grave issues. Um, the future of our involvement in this stupid Palestinian state and Israel and the future of Obamacare. Uh, nothing short of the future of our sovereignty, security, or our economy is at stake. And no, everyone's talking about Julian Assange and Russia and nonsense. And we literally are on the cusp of losing our mandate, but yet there's still a big opportunity. And that. You know, I'm determined to use everything that God has given me, um, the opportunity that you guys have given us by r- supporting our sponsors, which allows me to earn a basic living and do what I do, which is analyze the truth, speak with members, educate conservative uh, congressmen on on what's going on. And this all really came into play this week. And I want to review some of the critical parts of the week through the prism of what at its core is wrong with the elected Republican establishment, Republican leadership. Why on the one hand we vote Republican, but on the other hand out pops Democrat policies. You know, they they say they're going to do one thing and they kind of sound like us, certainly in the primaries to a large extent in the general election and then come post-election time for, for showtime and they're just nowhere to be seen or doing stupid things, things that, you can't message to your constituents things that are meaningless, things that are liberal, and they don't do what they should be doing that the public wants. That's easy to message. It's righteous. It's right. It's constitutional. It's conservative. It's American. It's the right thing to do. It's common sense. And that's all because of their broken political barometer. And I want to get into that a little bit more and kind of go through the two main items that happened this week, this resolution on Israel and the UN and Obamacare. Those two issues, how they have a broken political barometer, what we need to do about it, what conservative members are trying to do, what I'm trying to do, the successes we've kind of actualized and, you know, some of the failures, but, you know, the opportunities that still exist. But anyway, you got to you got to tune into CRTV. You know, Mark Levin is the only one, practically the only one around who covers what is important, who divulges what is actually going on in Washington You know, anyone who's read my articles this week, um, many of them I can't even keep track, at the conservative conscience, you'll notice a reoccurring theme that everything that you see on the headlines, you know, Republicans plan to repeal Obamacare. Oh, Republicans repudiate the U.N. with a resolution. The exact opposite comes out of it. What really took place was the exact opposite. And this is the subterfuge. This is the problem. I, I, I want to start off like this. There are four main problems that are the source of and responsible for why, on the one hand, Republicans campaign for something, we vote for them for something, and on the other hand, the opposite occurs. Number one, Republicans don't really have knowledge or understanding of policy, conservative philosophy, constitutionalism in our founding. They really don't understand it. Your average republican really doesn't understand it. Number 2, they often don't believe in it. So they'll be able to, you know, say, "Oh, I don't like Obamacare." But what exactly is Obamacare? What's the philosophy behind it? What's your philosophy on healthcare? Um how does it relate to the constitution, free markets and, you know, your broader philosophy? They don't believe in it or they don't understand it, or both. But they understand the talking point that I'm not them. right? This is the problem. The Republicans, and to a large extent the conservative movement, is nothing but we are not them. We're not Obama. We're not Kerry. We're not, well, yeah, I mean, they are so evil and so radical and so destructive that it's very easy to be two to three deviations, two to three tranches over from where they are, but still well into the territory that is wrong, deleterious, and um, harmful to, to our country's future. <clears throat> what do we affirmatively stand for? We stand at the cusp, the precipice of four years of GOP governance. We could do largely whatever we want if we make the right choices, and yet they're not doing it. And that's because A, they often don't have the knowledge or understanding, B, they don't believe in it. C, They have a broken political barometer. And this is really the point I want to bring out today. They have a broken political barometer. So even if deep down they understand something, they believe in it, but they are convinced, they are stuck in this paradigm, this political paradigm of the way you do things, of the way the media portrays things, the way the K Street people, their consultants, the people that surround them, they don't speak to people like me, except for the conservative members, um, or some of our allies, they speak to these clowns that lack a modicum of common sense. And they think a winning issue is a losing issue. A losing issue is a winning issue. So I'll, I'll tell you, for example, Paul Ryan very much fits into this category. Paul Ryan largely understands free markets. He understands conservative, at least fiscal policy. Forget about immigration and crime. That's a separate issue. Um, he's totally you know, in loony land on that. But as it relates to fiscal issues, he does understand it Um, and many other issues. Uh, You know, a friend of mine, a conservative member of Congress told me that, and I'm going to get to this later. Deep down, Paul Ryan told him that he agrees with the effort to defund the U.N. Right? He does sincerely understand that they're a problem and we need to do it. But in his political playbook. Oh, my gosh, that's a scary issue. Uh, we, you know, you, you can't do that. I mean, that, that's just you, you just you, you can't. You can't defund the PLO. I mean, you just can't do that. These people don't understand what a winning issue is. And look, we have a very smart audience here. And you guys understand that due to the brainwashing and the diminishing values and family values of, of this country, there are a lot of issues where not everyone agrees with us anymore. And, and it is a very different country. Entitlement reform is a hard idea. Uh, you know, welfare reform, certain aspects of the ta- of the tax code, getting rid of Head Start. Th- these are tough issues. There's a lot of dependency in this country. Defunding the PLO and the UN is not a tough issue. Repealing Obamacare. It, 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 I'm not saying it's fully clean, but it is not a tough issue. People see the problems. The broad majority of the country sees it, but the Republican political class. Even if they understand the issue and understand the philosophy and they, un- and they believe in it, which is only a certain amount of them, they don't un- have a political barometer. They don't understand the political barometer. That is the broad problem we have with Republicans. Once you understand that, everything they do that seems kind of incomprehensible really comes to life. And that's the thing. We have so many smart, stupid people in politics. We have a lot of smart, stupid people. These people might officially have high IQs, go to Harvard, score well. um, But because they can't break free of the existing paradigm of political thought, political strategies, understanding what's a winning and losing issue, they're stuck in an intellectual ghetto. They just can't think beyond that. They can't think beyond the existing paradigm. So that's why if you go to them and say, you know what? Why don't we have judicial reform and put political issues back in Congress? The people understand that. Daniel, that's declaring war in the courts. That can never be done. Uh, Why don't we cut off $500 million in aid to the PLO? Oh, that's, that's, uh, I don't know, that's real tough. I mean, Daniel, I'd love to do that, but, you know. So then what the hell are we going to do? If you can't cut off aid to the PLO and the UN, then what exactly are we going to do? Just turn out the lights. But that's the problem. Let me start with Obamacare. I was getting very nervous. I I literally felt like I was in the twilight zone. And I I, I don't, you know, you guys know from now, I'm not about myself, unlike many other people in this business. Um, So I don't mean this to sound self-fulfilling, but I literally felt like I was the only one that saw the train wreck coming. I'm like, on the one hand, there are headlines. Everyone thinks that Obamacare is being repealed. Right. Every headline. Republicans just passed a budget resolution to start the ball rolling for the reconciliation process to repeal Obamacare with 51 votes and make an end run around the filibuster. So Donald Trump will be able to sign into law. And, you know, maybe there are some disagreements over the replacement plan, but they're repealing it. And I was like pulling the fire alarm and saying they're not repealing it. They're repealing the funding mechanisms. They're repealing the taxes. And even then, now they're reneging on that. Well, they want to keep some of the taxes. They're um, keeping some of the taxes, uh, but and they're repealing the subsidies. But they are not repealing the insurance coverage mandates, the regs, that are almost solely responsible for Obamacare, for, for raising premiums and ma- having a lack of choice and competition destroying the healthcare market, health insurance market. Right, That is the problem here. So qualitatively, the insurance regs represent 80% of Obamacare. 80% is not being repealed, period. That's not even on the table. That's like a given. They're not doing that. The other 20%, the funding mechanism, they're repealing it, but instead of using it for deficit reduction and for free market health care, they're recapturing that revenue to use for another massive entitlement plan. That's pretty much Obamacare-lite, the same thing. So again, they're not repealing most of it, and the part that they are, they're doing a bait and switch. So rather than repeal and replace, what we essentially have, and I have an article that I just you know posted late last night on this, it's bait and switch instead of repeal and replace. This is what's happening. I mean, it's not like maybe they're going to do it. They might do it. They might 100% unless the cavalry joins in the, in this fight. I was the first one to do this. Thank God for the first time in my career, I actually felt like I led something and people listened. Um, National Review just came out with an op-ed honing in on this point. Um, you know, other people are joining the battle. Mark Levin was gracious enough to have me on his show. And, and I think we're getting the ball rolling. It's still we're, we still have an uphill battle here. But you know, more people are at least aware of the fact. Keep in mind, conservatives weren't even aware of the fact because they couldn't believe it. Every Republican said they were repealing Obamacare; they ran on that, so of course they're going to do it. Also, you know, the complication of um, just the complexity of healthcare in general, the complication of the budget reconciliation process, the semantics over what Obamacare is and isn't, um, has allowed Republicans to. Pull the wool over people's, people's eyes. Oh, and by the way, I, I forgot. I told you I would give you four factors and I only give you three. It's lack of knowledge, lack of belief, a totally screwed up political barometer on what's a winning issue, what's a losing issue. And the number four thing is the complexity and the inside baseball nature of the legislative process. So that allows them to say, "Oh, I'm fighting the UN, but they're really not, in fact, empowering them, doing the opposite." Oh, I'm repealing Obamacare, but in fact, they're doing something even worse, right? That's that's what allows us, It's the semantics. It's and this is my promise to you: as long as you support us, and by the way, the sponsor for this show is Patriot Supply. Go to preparewithcr.com, get your supply meals. The winner's coming, and in case there's a big blizzard, you want ready-made food in your house, 140 meals for 99 bucks. We have the promo code in there. Um, Also, give to Patriot Mobile. Switch your mobile um, service to Patriot Mobile. Go to patriotmobile.com. Issue promo code Daniel. Up to 5% of your funds will go to the conservative group of your choice, conservative organization, rather than most of the existing providers that actually fund Planned Parenthood and other liberal transgender causes. Um, But with that said... This is why we do what we do. This is why, you know, I join with my partner Gaston Mooney. Some of you he 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 doesn't write often, but he's really the unsung hero behind everything that goes on. He keeps the trains running here. Um the guy never sleeps. Uh you know, he he was a longtime aide for Jim DeMint, war, a conservative warrior in the Senate. These are the conservative heroes you'll never hear about. My buddy Gaston Mooney um, this is why we started it because you know he worked in the Senate. I followed the legislative process closely, closely, and we're like, we need to get this information out to people. You you can't even mobilize a grassroots army to fight against something if you don't know what to shoot at. If Republicans are all saying that they're doing what we want them to do, so he, you know this is what they were doing with Obamacare, and I, I want to get into healthcare policy in the weeds a little later on, and. I plan to come out, when we have time, just like I came out, and I'm going to link to in the show notes, my top 20 winning conservative ideas for immigration, homeland security, terrorism, national security, um, and again, talking about a political barometer, understanding what's not only a good policy, but a winning political issue, uh, we're going to come out with something like you know top two dozen or 20 free market healthcare ideas. But – Republicans, this is what it is, at its core, they don't understand healthcare policy. So when they say they're repealing Obamacare, what is Obamacare? What is Obamacare? In a nutshell, if I had to give it over to you in one sentence, you know, one sentence, what would it be? It's as follows. It's to require that private insurance companies offer coverage that is actuarially insolvent, unsustainably expensive, and then, with the other hand, offer massive taxpayer subsidies for families to be able to afford those unsustainable plans, which in turn artificially inflates the price of insurance even more, which in turn engenders an even greater need for subsidization. So you're both destroying the free market pricing, and then you're pegging a higher rate that you now have to subsidize people with taxpayer funding to go and support that. That at its core is what Obamacare is. What Republicans plan to do is retain the price hiking mandates and repeal the current subsidies, but replace them with subsidies in all but name only to keep doing the same scheme. Because at its core, they have adopted the Democrat philosophy of health care to pursue the elusive utopian goal of universal coverage at the expense of lowering costs. And thereby obtaining neither goal, universal coverage, nor a lowering costs. The idea is you have to pursue lower costs by returning insurance to what it was supposed to be for catastrophic, getting rid of all the regs, allowing insurance companies to offer any plan to any person under any circumstance at any price. And then at the same time, cutting off all subsidies so they don't have that security blanket. We're not going to subsidize you. We're not going to regulate you. Then you empower people. Um, you get rid of a lot of other market distortions, some of the other government-run healthcare programs. Let's face it, we're not going to get rid of them, but at least make them a little bit more free market, Medicare, Medicaid, some state programs. States have to deal with that. The VA, you know, you you lower the um, inflationary pressure, diminish the inflationary pressure on these programs. Um, and that's how you apply market pressure to reverse this, circuitous cycle of government of inflating the cost and inflating the subsidies inflating the cost inflating the subsidies they don't understand this they don't understand this now Paul Ryan is one of the few who does get this but he suffers from number three and four he doesn't have a political barometer that's normal and number four he utilizes the complicated process to lie to us but he does kind of understand it and believe in free market healthcare, but you know unlike kevin mccarthy who's an iq of about 80 and doesn't understand that but this is why republicans say daniel it's a losing issue we're gonna get blamed you fools you're gonna get blamed if the public is perceived that you are they perceive that you repealed obamacare because that's what they're saying but you in fact didn't and the prices keep going up what don't they, they understand about a winning issue so, this is where we are in Obamacare. I'm going to update you next week on this. I'm going to continue fighting for this. I'm going to con- continue educating members of Congress, staff. Um, you know, thank God my wife has been amazing about this. Um, you know, not spending enough family time this week. But as long as you guys are in for the fight, I'm in for the fight. Um, just very emotionally charged week. And I want to move to the next issue. Okay. So, the House voted on a resolution to disapprove the UN resolution condemning Israel, right? Well, kind of, but they made it worse too. I have an article laying this out in more detail, but they did the classic loincloth. What's a loincloth, Bill? I coined the term last year in the Corker Cardin Iran deal. When Obama was going ahead, forging the Iran deal... And Democrats were in big trouble because the whole kind of pro-Israel constituency, Jewish voters in the Northeast, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Ohio, California. Um, So a lot of these Democrats have to pretend to be pro-Israel, even as their party has become um, the party of the Muslim Brotherhood and Hamas. So these dudes, um, they needed a bailout. So rather than Republicans calling them on the carpet and saying, Will you ratify this as a treaty or not? They passed Corker-Cardin, which gave off the veneer of, of subjecting Obama's deal to congressional approval, but in fact, it enshrined the, the deal into law unless two-thirds of Congress would affirmatively oppose it. Right? The complete opposite of the constitutional requirement that the Senate have two thirds in affirmative support to ratify it. They said, no, it's ratified unless two thirds vote against. And of course, so they gave Schumer and Ben Card and a couple other Democrats a hall pass to vote no because, you know, Republicans need 67. So they only had 54. Give them three, four more, and that's it. They'll never reach it. So they did the same thing here. They had a resolution. And, you know, a resolution has no teeth in it. Oh, we don't like what the UN did. Okay, but are you going to defund them? Are you going to threaten them? Are you going to, you know, cut off funding to the PLO? No. Not only that, the second half of the resolution went on a whole diatribe about the two-state solution. Now, I'm going to get into this over time. We're going to produce a four-minute video explaining why the two-state solution is the final solution. It is a one-state solution of jihad. It is... This, along with global warming, is the holy grail religion of the international elites. Um, it is immoral, illogical. It is – it's just stupid. Um, but, you know, Isra- leftists, even Isra- even in Israel, have adopted this since Oslo, and they just can't get off of it. But anyway, it's just a two-state solution, two-state solution. So I had members of Congress call me up, and they're like, wait a minute. So we just repudi- repudiated John Kerry for – saying Israel has no right to build in Judea and Samaria, and then now we're codifying a resolution that says, let's have a Palestinian state, and by Palestinian state, I mean an Arab-Jordanian ethnicity. There's no such thing as a Palestinian. Um, Living in in Judea and Samaria, let's have a Palestinian state. Except, you know, we don't want the UN opposing it. Let's have America go back to the Clinton-Bush model of bilateral negotiations. Right. Same old garbage. Um, So that's not much different from Kerry. I mean, a couple of neighborhoods in the old city of Jerusalem, the Western Wall, there's not much of a difference between those two positions. But indeed, I watched the House floor yesterday and it sickened me. Everything that I predicted would happen, happened. It was a loincloth. Democrats got to. Lodge their disagreement with Obama and the UN. Oh, no, we're pro Israel. And then they said, and but we need Palestinian state and Israel can't build there. Oh, well, what? So conservative members, and 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 this is also a broader discussion I might link to in the show notes, but APAC is not what you think it is. It is a leftist organization that is there that uses a, their $128 million budget to give cover to Democrats instead of pressuring Democrats to, um, be elevated to where Republicans are on Israel and Hamas and the PLO and Fatah, they downgrade Republicans, pressure them to support what Democrats are supporting. So conservative members were really caught in their crossfire because, on the one hand, this was sold to the public as, you know, condemning the UN. But in reality, it was doing the exact opposite. It was codifying a Palestinian state at a time that we have a one in a lifetime opportunity with Trump and a Republican Congress to finally end this stupidity of investing our entire domestic, uh, um, sorry, diplomatic political capital from the State Department and having the fulcrum of our entire foreign policy around creating a PLO state that will make ISIS and uh, Iran look like child's play. So. Members were caught, you know, so members had to vote for it because they felt the PR would be bad. And, you know, God bless Steve King and Louis Gohmert. They voted. No, I don't blame the guys that, that ultimately voted for it, but we have a problem now. Republicans can't even say we're going to defund the PLO. We're going to defund. I mean, I mean the PLO people forget they are the forerunner to Al Qaeda and ISIS. They are the teachers of suicide bombing. They are the problem. Um, you know, they, they were jihad before jihad. They were jihad before Hamas, even. Uh, you know, under under current law, 1987 law that's still in the books, we're not even allowed to have them in the country. They're the terror group. But somehow we never follow that. They don't understand. Daniel, I don't know. We can't. That's, that's bold. We had to cut off funding to the UN. Oh. Really? They don't understand. They don't have a political barometer. They don't understand what's a winning issue. And again, like I said, this other narrative here that the issues are so complex, the legislation, the politics, you know, politics is like any other profession. If you're a doctor, I expect you to be good at what you are. I expect you to know medicine. If you're an engineer, I expect you to know engineering. If you engage in politics and you take money from donors or however you get funding to do what you're doing, I expect you to know the who's who and what's what of policy and politics and the nexus of the two thereof i expect you to have that knowledge i expect you to know better politics is is, is an art not a science it's an art of political warfare and you have to understand the outcome the push pull the consequences the input output of every play you're going to make and that's what we're here to to focus on here that's what we're here what here we are here to bring the inside out inside baseball to you guys and to bring the pressure of the out the outside the grassroots the common sense folks of this country the heartland to the inside and try to pressure members that's what i have always been trying to do that's what i'm going to continue to do as long as you guys continue supporting our sponsors subscribing to crtv 99 bucks a year no commercials the best tv content out there much better than porn news i mean fox news Although I must say, Fox News getting rid of Megyn Kelly and putting in Tucker Carlson, that is certainly an improvement there. But but this is what's going on. So it's been an, a very emotionally draining week for me. Um, hopefully we'll get some rest over the weekend. And like I said, we're, we're going to continue focusing on, on this. Look at our, our 20 winning issues. Um, look at our health care posts, our Obamacare posts look at our updates on what's going on with the stupid Palestinian cause and how to finally end Oslo and and our support of terrorism. Look, if we can't cut off $500 million a year to the PLO, go home. What are we here for? But again, if you can't fight if you think something's a losing issue and you can't think something's a winning issue if you don't actually believe in it, and you can't really believe in it if you don't fully understand it. And certainly with a very complex and 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 just counterintuitive, ironic, paradoxical political system and legislative process, there's a lot of room for people to put out disinformation in order to protect their their positions, their cowardice and just, you know, lack of understanding. So thanks for bearing with me. Um, I, I really appreciate all your notes, your emails. Tweet me at conservative. I'd love to hear your input, your thoughts. Um, what are your ideas that we should put in our top winning agenda? And, you know, members of Congress read this all the time. They, they tell me this. So this is how you could make a difference. Let me know what your thoughts are. Let me know what issues you want covered. You know, what you think is important, what you think are good strategies. I agree with Hillary Clinton in one respect. It takes a village. Now, not to <laughs> run a family in a country. Um, I mean, politically, it takes a movement to to fight back against this, to fight back against the elites, the entrenched powers. We could do this together, but we got to do it. We can't assume it's going to happen. We can't assume Obamacare is going to be repealed. We can't assume uh, you know, Trump's going to head in a better direction on Israel. I mean, a certain degree is a given, but we have to affirmatively say what our what our demands are. What do we believe? What does it mean to be a conservative? Why is that a good thing for the country? Why is it in line in line with our Constitution, our founding? Why is it in line with our values? That is what we will continue to do: to take that broad philosophy and hone in, and and give it give it over this information on the very specific things that are playing out in Congress, in the court system, in the states. We didn't get to that much this week, but you know we're going to get back to that as well. Make Conservative Review and CRTV your one-stop shop. Don't go anywhere else. This is where you need to be. Thanks for listening. As always, God bless. Have a great weekend. This has been another episode of the Conservative Conscience.